your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. The, uh, the show. Now, we are at the Fitzgerald's Woodlands House Hotel and Spa today, celebrating 40 years in business. And joining me uh, now is uh, owner and founder of the hotel, Mary Fitzgerald, and her daughter, Elena Fitzgerald Kane. You'll be very familiar with both of them. They've been voices on this show over the years and, of course, in many other places as well. And many of you will know them and the rest of the family because of the sort of place that this is from coming in and out to all sorts of events in that period of time. And you are very welcome. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, Good morning. Joe. How are you? And thank welcome. you very much. You're for very welcome. We're delighted to be here and in such a lovely venue and with so much uh, going on uh, on and any Friday I know or any day of the week because I've, I've that sense of it myself from coming here with family and friends uh, over the years and uh, Marie and I and the rest of the team here only delighted to be here. But Mary, tell us the story, okay? Take us back all those years yeah. as to what was here and how has it become this amazing complex? Well, have you enough time, Joe? <laughs> well, we, we have some time. It's one of the reasons we're here. Okay, thank you very much. Well, we're very welcome. You're very, very welcome. We're delighted to have you. What an honour it is for us as a family to have you come and uh, visit us. And I suppose I've been watching the involvement of, of Live 95 over the years as well. And uh, I suppose it all started when I, arri- uh, not when I arrived here, but it started when Dick arrived here. I'll be Your good to him almost uh, nine years now, gone. But um, it all started when he bought the farm off of the Chalk family, you know, Charlie Chalk and whatever they are. So Bill Chalk, their father, was farming here in, um, in, in down here. There's 44 acres here and they've, we have another bit of land up the road, which the Chalks owned as well. So it all started here when Dick bought it in uh, 1970, late 69-70, from the Chalks or whatever. Came from Castle Island, Lockerbourne, came down and um, started to farm here. And uh, he built the house in 1971, which was the um, original four-bedroom bungalow, and we, we got married on the 3rd of August, 1973. So we will be celebrating 50 years of marriage this year on the 3rd of August. Uh, but we will, we will still mark the occasion. Of course. Say, uh, Absolutely. And, I mean, Dick is so well-remembered and such yeah. a fantastic character as well, wasn't he? So many people listening this morning will remember him over the years. Exactly. He was always uh, great to meet people. He loved people. And I suppose when we were farming and growing strawberries and Brussels sprouts, etc., here, that's what I started doing when I came to arrive. I was 21 when I got married. I'm giving away my age now, Joe. But, um, but uh, David was born uh, in 1974, so we worked in the fields together, and uh, David was minded on the headland, and I'm sure a lot of people would relate to that when they were both working together, especially in farming uh, or in shops or any family business. You know, it, you're, it becomes part of your life, you know. Yeah. And uh, so um, his family were from Kerry, and they uh, were doing a bit of B&B in, uh, outside Tralee and in Killarney, and I suppose I got the idea from there. I worked as a receptionist in the Shannon Arms Hotel, and I'm proud to say that I, I worked, and, uh, and uh, the 1973 uh, uh, Limerick hurling team at the time, you know, captained by Eamon Grimes, that was their home. It's like... The Limerick team is our home in Woodland, so it's amazing how 50 years on, how uh, 
so much similarities. It is. So this started then as a B&B in, in the house. In the that? house, yeah, exactly. Four bedrooms, three of which I sold for guests and one which we lived in ourselves, the family, and we all shared the same bathroom. Can't you imagine that today or what people would think of it? You know, but that's the way it was. And, and, it, and, and for lots of people, they run very successful B&B businesses and, and you know, they're a staple still around the country, including in Limerick. Um, but you went to America at one stage, did you, and I, saw hotels there? I did, yeah. I went to America, and I suppose I was adding on and adding on. And then it got too big, sort of for the category, that's the recategorized accommodation. So it used to be a, an Irish home, either an Irish country home or a farmhouse. You could have no more than uh, six bedrooms. But at that stage, I had built on about 12. So I was in no man's land, and uh, so I knew we had to make a change. So we went off to the... Uh, America in 1979, my first time to the States, and we stayed in the Days Inn, which we thought was magic, absolutely. And uh, there was a, we saw rooms with a, a shower and toilet in a kind of a small area and a washing basin outside. So I came home and uh, uh, I um, built 12 of those. In 1981, I actually took the foundation out the, the night before Connor was born. <laughs> yes. But tell us about the trip to the bank and what the bank said to you at that time. Oh yes, so uh, so I had built the bedrooms and, and we still were B&B, so then I wanted, I knew I needed to change my business model, as I've spoken about today, so I knew that I couldn't stay the way I was, so I knew I had to uh, consider, I, always, I, I, I go back and say that Dick always wanted a bar, loved the idea of a bar, and uh, we'd looked at buying different places, whatever. So we said, like, if you can't buy it, maybe create it yourself. So that was kind of the thinking. So we decided then that we would try and go for a hotel. And uh, so the first person, of course, I approached was my bank manager. And I can still remember just on to the right over there. And uh, he was standing in the steps, with a few steps up to the bedrooms because we're on a limestone and land and we have to go up and down steps a bit. But <clears throat> so he said, my dear woman, the... the uh, the uh, hotels of the country are closing down and you're better off at home minding your children. And that was something that unfortunately a lot of women in business faced at that time. Yes, it was absolutely horrific. And uh, I suppose they tried to make you feel so small or whatever like, but it didn't quench my... It actually drove me on. Well, Joe. I was just thinking now, I say you put the shoulders back and went, okay. Exactly, exactly. And, and obviously you got the funding. Somewhere. I did. <laughs> but luckily, you know, sometimes, and I always say when you're in business, whether you need something amount to look as well, a, lo- uh, a fund became available through the European, European Investment Bank. We were long in Europe at the time for the development of tourism or whatever. So I got a small bit of money um, that time to help me get the start. And, you know, it's like everything. When you have the start, so the rest will come. And I just managed to go to different institutions and I got what I wanted in the end. Right. And uh, also there were some other people that told me in the tourism trade, not locally, that uh, same thing. But uh, you see, and there was determination, the fight, Joe. There was sort of this theory of, which, I mean, you're out in the middle of County Limerick. You're in the middle no, of nowhere. Yeah, no one needs a hotel out here. So yes. they're all off to Kerry or whatever. Correct. But, but you said, well, no, build this and they will come to quote the movie. Exactly, and another thing too, a dear man was starting to open up to the public. Our visitors came and came and uh, visited first night, last night. So we became 
was very famous for that. And uh, so then, I mean, the season was very short then, Joe. It was only barely, maybe a bit of June, July and August and, and nothing in September. So I suppose we could use it, having a bit of money and whatever. And then to be sustainable, it had to be more than a couple of months. So I started cooking dinners at night and people said oh I remember coming to your sitting room when you cook dinners and uh, then we got a wine license and that's just the way it is so on the 16th of July um, 1983 we got our what we call our dispense license from, um, from the then board falter it allowed us to open up our hotel which was very small 12 bedrooms we turned some of the old bedrooms to public areas or whatever so that's how it all started and, and just Remind people, we're chatting to Mary Fitzgerald, we're at Fitzgerald's Woodlands House Hotel today and the founder, of course. Um, this complex where we are right now, um, Mary, this this is where it all started, right? It's all been expansion Correct. here on this site. We, we built our, we've built around the original bungalow. Isn't and that just, I mean, when you just contemplate yeah. that, isn't that just yeah. amazing? Our Brennan room, which is inside, is our original uh, house. And I know every perch of that, where the rooms were, where the bathroom was, where the kitchen was. And, and do you ever take a step back? Because I know when you're in the middle of it every day and you're dealing with today and tomorrow, but do you ever walk in there and go, this is what it was and this is now what it is? No, because I'm always saying what it must be. <laughs> and I'm very glad, because this is a, a very good opportunity to bring in Elena Fitzgerald Kane as well. Hi, Elena, how are you? Good. I um, thought I'd be introduced earlier on as the favourite daughter, but you know, when you're a category of one, you're always first. That's I, how it rolls. I know. And just remind me about the siblings as well. Are, are you all involved here? We are. It's, it's quite unique in that respect. So mum and dad obviously started the business together with a lot of support from their own families, both on dad's side and mum's side locally. So we, I suppose we grew up in the, right in the middle of the business. And, and I actually would have lived here myself until I was 13. Um, and like that, we were living in two rooms at the time. We'd upgraded we'd, the family numbers, but we'd upgraded the rooms. Um, and I still remember, actually, I was very young at the time. I remember the... Um, I remember the time that the bar opened. It was like a little shabine, you know, in terms of like a wooden kind of countertop. And David stood on a crate to serve the drinks. Like it was that sophisticated back in the day. But I suppose fast forward, um, we all... Just before you fast forward now, I mean, lots of people grow up in a family business. And what you generally find is there's a, a, a variety of responses to that. People who are invested in it, they want to stay in it, they're inspired by the parents. And then there's often at least one who says, no, no, not for me, no, I'm going to go off and do something completely different. Correct. I suppose, you know, we grew up in the business, we're very exposed to it, but we all had an opportunity to do other things. So both David and I did hotel management and and we were very lucky to go to Shannon College and great experiences working overseas and in Ireland. Um, The two younger boys, Connor and Richard, they both went to UL and studied business. So Connor went back and did entrepreneurship, worked in the bank. Richard went on into retail and would have worked with the Super Value Group and he also would have had his own um, outlet in Limerick. And I suppose that the time came where everybody maybe felt that it was where they wanted to be in terms of, you know, growing their lives and going to the next stage. So it was quite natural. There was no sense of, well, I'm going to need somebody in marketing or, you know, you're good at accounts or whatever. We all have our own skill set. We're very lucky that it's quite diverse. And I think that has really enhanced it. And I suppose now we're planning for the next generation generation, Joe. Um, my brother David's daughter, Kerry, graduated from Shannon College this year. She's overworking in London and um, having a brilliant experience in a five-star lifestyle hotel, which is quite different to where we are. Um, and, and those kind of experiences are key. 
And didn't I meet your son, the charmer, when I was out here a few weeks ago? You did, you did. So Milo is 16, has just finished TY. Uh, charming. It, it, it's always interesting to see how it all comes across. But no, he's a great, very friendly lad. He works here with us, as does David's son, James, um, albeit part-time because they're still, you know, secondary school students. But we've lots more, you know, uh, secondary school students Brilliant, brilliant people. Yeah. And we, when we talk about all the amazing staff here as well over the years in a moment, but it, just do you think it is important that the next generation get some experience outside of Fitzgerald's Woodlands House Hotel and come back? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting actually, Joe, because we're currently working on our own uh, family uh, charter at the moment. So this is something kind of new for us, but we're very conscious of the next generation. What's a family charter? I suppose it kind of maps out, you know, goals and expectations and, you know, it takes into consideration spouses, next generation, you know, the culture and values of the business. Please don't tell my wife that. I'd I'd be terrified to think what charter would be available in our house. That's unbelievable. It's it's about a family charter in business and, and, you know, what are our values? You know, where do we want to go? How do we agree? Because, you know, along the way, Joe, we don't always agree in everything um, and that, you know, and and how do you deal with that? How, How do you deal with change? But it's, it's interesting, I suppose, we're at a stage where we're maturing a little bit more. We all have a good 20, 30 years of experience behind us. Um, but it's just making sure that the vehicle is there to safeguard the business, you know, into the next generation. Um, I'm going to take a break and come back to both of you. But just remind me, are you the only mother and daughter combo and maybe the only parent and child combo to both at different times be president of the Irish Hotels Federation? The, uh, the, uh, the only, the only, we're the only mother and daughter. Um, Michael Vaughan and his late father, which I would have known very well, uh, they come to mind. And Billy O'Carroll from Benlislow, but there are very few, and they were the only mother and daughter. And I was the first female president uh, in two thousand. And uh, I'm very proud of the fact that my daughter came on 20 years after me. That's amazing. So we made history in the Irish Hotel Federation, which is almost 100 years old. So, you know. Now, I just want to go back for a moment to the fact that both of you at different times were presidents of the Irish Hotels Federation. And interestingly enough, at a time of crisis in both cases. Isn't that right? In your case, it was 9-11 that you had to contend with. And foot and mouth. And foot and mouth two huge difficulties for tourism and in your case of course it was COVID. So just remind us of the 9-11 and uh, COVID challenge. I suppose um, the foot the, uh, and mouth one I suppose was because Dick had worked in England in 1967 when there was an outbreak before and I remember he telling me we were actually at uh, my first conference as uh, president and he said if this comes in he said you won't know what it is and I thought he was absolutely you know I said Think positively, take your love with my motto or whatever. I'm telling you, Mary says this could be very dangerous for tourism or whatever. And lo and behold, I came, sent to the car, driving to Dublin, turning on the radio, and then the first outbreak had taken place. So that had a huge, a huge significance. So we had to head off into the States because people in the, in the States, especially, which was our main market into Ireland, and of course, England was closed up because of, uh, of it was so many cases of it there. So uh, we had to go on a campaign in May. Uh, trying to uh, educate the people, a whirlwind tour of the states, trying to educate people like, don't cancel your bookings, Ireland is still open, we're fine, everything's under control or whatever. So that, that was just settled and things started settling down. And actually we're on our way up to Dublin to um, to uh, uh, choose the next coming, coming 
incoming president. We're actually going to a meeting actually in the Constitution Room, would you believe, in the Shelburne Hotel. And I put my head inside the door at the bar to say, Dick, come on, we're ready to go. And I look, and there I see the plane just tearing into the, the Twin Towers. And uh, I think that was just one of like, the other significant moments in your life. And that was definitely one of them when John F. Kennedy was shot and others, you know what I mean, but that stay in your mind forever. But that changed the picture of tourism. Everything was cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. People got so scared. And the re-education of people to settle down at the island had a special welcome. We take care of you. We're a neutral country. And all those things came into play. But, you know, you have to think fast, kick on your feet. We reached out to the Hotel Federation to bring some of the firefighters into Ireland. So we got them in. I suppose people were reassured that these people were looked after, that it was safe to come here. And I suppose that's how we would have approached it, but it was absolutely devastating. Yeah, you know, and that whole Irish connection to 9-11, especially if you go down to the memorial, and it is just almost traumatic, obviously, to see all of the names, but the number of Irish and Irish-American names who died in 9-11, and, and many of them firefighters as well, of course, and, and we remember that uh, too. And, and then fast forward 20 years... And you are president of the Irish Hotels Federation, Elena, and suddenly you have to deal with uh, that little thing called COVID. That little thing, wow. Um, Do you know, it's unimaginable, really, Joe. I suppose I came into the role very late in February, maybe the 25th or 6th of February. Um, And I remember actually the morning, it it happened on the Tuesday night in terms of, I suppose, being appointed into the role. And on the Wednesday morning, we had our first um, COVID meeting. And, you know, it was kind of like something that was happening way over there. Um, and did we ever think what it would become? Um, and I and I think back to you know just I suppose there was obviously there was a tsunami cancellation, so that was the first thing. So I think the type of sector we had was probably on its knees before everybody else to a degree to the point that when the country was officially closed down, well tourism had closed down before that. And I remember driving up to Dublin. I was actually going up to RT um, to do a radio piece there, and you know, driving home from there and kind of all that was in my head was, God, you know what, we'd be far better off if the government shut us down because there was an unease is the only way to describe it. Um, And look, you know, it was a long two and a bit years for everybody across the world, you know, people who, I suppose, separation or even had hosted a wedding a week ago um, where like that they planned, you know, five years ago to to come to get married, you know, for, for, for two years ago. And so people's homes, hopes and dreams on hold and, you know, people lost loved ones along the way and Incredible efforts from, I suppose, our frontline workers and, and, you know, people providing all those necessary services. So it was an extraordinary time. Mm. The other thing um, that stood to you, Mary, was you've always been, and you um, touched on this earlier, innovative. So like so many other hotels and uh, people operating in tourism, as a result of COVID, you had to come up with ideas for those periods where you were allowed to open. And that's where the treehouse came from, isn't it? Exactly, you know, like we, we, you kind of manage, we said 2020, and the fact that so many of us as a family are involved and we were all out of work, basically, so like you, you, you navigate through 2020, which maybe a bit of a novelty to be off, we were never off before, and I suppose it was great when we got to open on 29th of June, but when then we were kind of bits of closing in September, then October we closed again, December we opened for within our county, then we closed again. So, like, that was absolutely a nightmare. You were trying to settle the team, settle the staff, brought them back. They were, it, was, it was unbelievable. But then we, we realised we faced into January 21 and all the people were, had, gosh, they were dying over Christmas and whatever. It was absolutely frightening. And we didn't know where this was all going to go to. 
uh, when was it all going to end? And uh, and like we couldn't face another year without some level of connection with our customers. Well, actually, was our number one thing. Would you believe it? And the financial thing, of course, came as well. But the connection of to the customers and knowing how we were feeling ourselves, how they must have been feeling, and the loss of connection, and 5K, and all that went with it, or whatever. And you know, it was all the right decisions at the right time. So how did we come up with an idea? And just with little bits of chaos, uh, opening up, and little trailers, and different things like that. And I remember as a the family, all the debates we had about it. Uh, good and bad. We were looking at it originally, putting it down by the Lantern Lodge, just down at the crossroads, and people could pass them for a coffee, and then there was issues with planning and there was issues with safety and things like that and we kind of few of us came up with the idea and said why won't we do it here ourselves and going back to the middle of nowhere like who's going to come up the road and there's little or no one transport so we invested in one container and uh, we bought the container and we, we had an old kind of a, an area which was thatched originally for barbecues and things like that and it was absolutely growing, growing weeds we were looking at the proximity the car park, which was, we said we're putting maybe past the car park, but the car park actually worked so much in our favour that we actually extended the car park during COVID. Would you believe that, Joe? So, out of one container, but we said we'd have the best coffee, and the coffee we get is from uh, Dick's nephew up in Dublin. He blends it, uh, roasts it fresh every week, and sends it down to us, and that was our number one. And, 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 and even, you know, of itself, it's it's an amazing complex out there now, and, it's, and I, I've seen the solar solar panels. I know are, are part of what you're thinking about as well, and they are there, and and you know the 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 green footprint is something that has to be considered as well. And and Elena, also just worth pointing out um, that you know some significant news this week for Adair in that the bypass got a boost. Um, the judicial reviews um, uh, will not be proceeding, which means that that can be moved on as part of the Foynes to Limerick Road project and the Ryder Cup too coming in 2027. So there's a, a lot still to happen. There is, and I suppose, look, we're blessed to live in a really, really great community. I suppose just to, to maybe loop back a little bit around COVID time, we were conscious we'd all this space here. We had a fabulous walkway. And, you know, there's only so many times you could walk your 5K within reason. And so we were trying to find another outlet for people. And I suppose that's where the treehouse grew from. And even down to the location was very much felt it was safe for kids in that in that spot that was very important to us. And when we opened initially, there was a fear about people kind of mingling with the gather or whatever. But they didn't. Everybody kind of respected the space. And I suppose, look, we've since added Scoop's Ice Cream Parlour. Um, pizza, we have a stretch tent area, we've hosts, there's kids activities and we have even more ambitious plans uh, around, you know, festivals and we've been hosting events and, and we received two awards actually last year where we were number one venue in outdoor venue in Ireland which was hugely successful for us. So you know, we continue to develop the site here but equally a day or developing in Limerick developing in the Midwest developing, that all spurs us on. So the road has been in the offing for a long time and we are delighted to see that has progressed to this stage. Of course it's all on foot of, you know, Foynes Port and I think people sometimes think the road is for a day and of course we, we'll take that but the reality is it's around Foynes Port and there's a fairly tight timeline around when it has to be completed by in terms of the funding but I, I believe it will breed fantastic new vitality into the village what I would like to see going hand in hand with is the development of our walkways and um, and you know cycleways and that there's a whole piece that needs to go um, with that as well um, obviously the Ryder Cup in 2016 
um, is going to be a massive, massive event for Ireland, you know, for Europe, uh, for Limerick, for Adair, uh, and massive credit to the McManus family and all the team in Adair Manor in terms of what they've done. We're very excited. I think to a degree maybe the Italian event is coming up, that needs to be hosted, and I think really it'll commence in earnest from there, but great to have the road infrastructure in place as well, which no doubt will enhance it, not just for this, but everything else. Right, lots of people in touch with us, uh, delighted to hear that we're broadcasting from here today, and Marie on WhatsApp has said, morning Joe, what an amazing family the Fitzgeralds are, I remember way back having a meal in the bungalow, and to see all these years later, uh, how everything developed, even during COVID, how they adjusted the hotel to that time and the needs of the people, applauding uh, the entire family there and uh, Teresa also says morning lovely to see uh, you in the woodlands a fabulous hotel and uh, I also want to say listen and our story is no different I think from so many families over so many years that uh, through good times and bad you have been very good to us as a family I know that and to so many others and I know that your customers are not just customers they're friends as well so listen thank you very much for talking to us at the start of the show we're delighted to be here we'll chat to others connected to the Fitzgeralds and some of your fantastic team here as well between now and midday but I think we better let you back to it because I know you never stop um, uh, Mary definitely never stops anyway she keeps and us all on the straight and narrow I'm, Joe I'm telling you no, and, no. and not just us the wider team here <laughs> we've 270 people working with us so she's like a mammy to us all I believe it listen uh, Mary Fitzgerald thank you and we remember Dick as well uh, today and uh, I, I often say I that is the single biggest funeral honestly that I ever remember in I, I think I remember going to it I'd say hours and hours and hours um, there of people wanting to pay tribute to him and, and to you and to the family uh, Mary Fitzgerald and Elena Fitzgerald Kane thank you both very much and we'll take a break now your views your news your limerick today with Joe Nash on 